We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, Nets fans? Welcome to another episode of the Brooklyn Buzz Podcast presented by OTGBasketball.com. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me from across the pond, Jack Manuel. What's up, Jack? Sean Marks, Nicholas, what a wizard. He's an absolute magician. The fact that he can pull first rounders, second rounders out of his behind. For the, for the guys that we just barely have on our team, this man is uh, he's the GOAT. Yeah, already I think made nine trades since coming over to the Nets. Just great stuff from Sean Marks. Before we get started, just a reminder, you can listen to the Brooklyn Buzz on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, and OTGBasketball.com. But like Jack said, Marks got us another second rounder yesterday. We traded Tyler Zeller for uh, Rashad Vaughn and a second round pick. Now, the second round pick only comes to the Nets if it falls between 31 and 47. If not, it's a 2020 unprotected second round pick. So a really nice trade for the Nets, like you said, Jack. A guy they just picked up right before training camp. Didn't expect much out of him. Turned him into something. Yeah, and if you look at the Nets culture, Nick, we want these guys. In terms of the development culture, and I'm quoting Nets Daily here, seconds can succeed. Joe Harris, pick 33. Spencer Dinwiddie, pick 38. You look at Draymond Green, Jimmy Butler. Second-round picks can be gold, especially for a team like us that lacks those assets thanks to we-know-who. Um, it's almost like it's almost like Voldemort. He, he shall not be named. Um, but the second round picks have value, especially to a team like us that didn't have anything. But now we have a first round pick and a second round pick, both of them going into a decent class. And if it shows how we drafted last year with Jared Allen with a late first round pick, who knows what we can do with two more picks going into the, this next class? Um, I think it's an absolutely a magical move. The fact that one that the Bucks would take this on board, like I'm not sure from what it. What, it, what the value is for Tyler Zeller on their behalf other than a third, fourth big. But I remember I remember mentioning in passing, just like an off-the-cuff off the cuff sort of thing on last week's pod, the fact that I'm like, oh, well, Tyler Zeller would be nice to get like a second rounder off him. And we sort of agreed to it, 
but we didn't think it happened. So it's almost like we predict the future here on the bus. <laughs> we spoke it into existence. But uh, the second rounder, like you said, is nice. The Nets are starting to stack up second rounders. I believe, but depending on where this pick lands, if it's this year's draft for 2020, they have four uh, second round picks incoming. I think they have three outcoming. So Marks is doing a good job building up that cabinet of picks. Like you said, getting a young guy in Brooklyn, a team known to really develop some of these dudes, could really be a nice, uh, solid role player in the future. Yeah, and role players, uh, they're hard to find now, Nick. So you're looking at this year's sort of, you know, uh, trade deadline, and a lot of the the articles that have been coming out from a lot of our staff at OTG Basketball, make sure you check out the trade deadline marathon there. There's been all these small pieces that, you know, the, the contending teams are trying to get, you know, Lou Williams, Tyreek Evans, Nikola Mirotic move for this sort of uh, minor move that, that there was a first rounder that was traded. These guys are the ones that are going to make the difference. Joe Harris, Damari Carroll, guys from us, you know the teams are calling. Sean Marks is taking those calls, but he ain't um, he ain't going to be um, you know caving in. We know he's a hard negotiator. He's a fair negotiator because the fact that we've already this season been able to get two two uh, two second rounders for Trevor Booker and Tyler Zeller, guys that had no future on on the Brooklyn Nets. You know a lot of teams, um, a lot of fans would be clamoring for a GM like that. That's for sure. Yeah, you got to love Marks. And also another point with the second-round pick, when you're moving forward and we're signing Levert, we're signing D'Lo, we're signing Jared Allen to their second deals, second-round picks, guys on these small deals as role players on the bench, you know, you're not going to hit on every second-round pick. But if you have four picks, you might hit on one of them, and that's a solid, cheap guy you have on your bench coming in. But talking about – oh, go ahead, Jack. I was just going to say, look at Spencer Dinwiddie is emblematic of that, 38 38th pick, a guy we've got team control over for the next couple of years. And if he's not going to be a starter, he's certainly going to be uh, a quality sixth man. So, you know, those second round picks are absolute gold when you hit on them. Yeah, and even, you know, not not saying I want to trade Dan when he, we're going to talk about it a little bit later, you could possibly turn a second into a first. You know, there's talk about getting a first for Dan Winnie, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. Let's talk untouchables. We'll get into the guys that are on the rumor black, but let's talk about the guys that we know will not be traded. D'Angelo Russell, Karis LeVert, and Jared Allen. You agree? Uh, absolutely. Uh, three foundational pieces, guys under 23, that are going to be a huge part of this future. Jared Allen has shown all-star potential. All these, all three of these guys have shown all-star potential. So there's no way you trade young assets um, for you know for, for anything, basically. You know, you look at around the league, anyone would, would kill to have guys this young, this talented, with this much upside. So I think Sean Marks uh, has mentioned this whether it's on radio or, you know, to Nets Daily or to reporters, uh, that these guys are untouchable. And, you know, there are lots of other pieces that certainly are touchable, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. And a shout-out to another Nets pod, the Glue Guys. They had a net income yesterday, and he was talking about how a lot of teams have called for Levert, and the Nets have kind of ended that real quick. So that makes it a lot more comforting for the fans. And like you said, having these guys with all-star potential is great because we don't have a high pick in this draft. And we don't even know what the next pick is going to be. You know, there's a good chance it'll be in the lottery, but no guarantees. So having three potential all-stars is big. Let's talk about guys that are not going to be traded, untradeable contracts. And for me, that's Timothy Mozgov and Alan Crabb. Yeah, Timothy Mozgov was a guy we sort of took on, Nick. And unlike the salary dump of Damari Carroll, uh, it's been, you know, an absolute dump and trash fire that uh, Timothy Mozgov has been. You, know, you look at a guy like a Joe Kim Noah, the rumors going around that the Knicks are trying to get rid of him for a first rounder. Teams are just, there's absolute crickets. And I think the same thing could be said for Timothy Moskov. Alan Crabb, we already paid. We um, He certainly hasn't produced as much as we would have liked. Um, but we've given him the money. We want to see the 
the production from him. We've mentioned that on, on numerous occasions. But those two guys, you know, there's at least potential with Alan Crabb. He does have someone of youth on his side. I think he's only 25 years old. Uh, Tim Faye Mosgov is almost uh, a guy who's going to be dwindling on the bench for plenty plenty of years to come because we look at Jaleel Okafor as well, who's still in the squad right now, and he's showing um, some glimpses. We lost Tyler Zeller. Maybe Tyler Zeller's minutes hopefully increases Jaleel and Jared Allen, but maybe it gives uh, Tim Faye Mosgov some more junk time minutes. Yeah, I mean, I think Moscow maybe gets on the floor if somebody's hurt or, you know, there's a foul trouble in the game or something like that. But like you said, I think Okafor, Allen are going to pick up most of those minutes. But let's talk about the guys that have been in the rumors, the guys that, you know, are getting calls from the other teams and the Nets could possibly trade. And let's start with the guy who's probably most likely to be traded, and that's Damari Carroll. You know, several teams have called for him. His agent has said, you know, the Nets, you know, Sean Marks, Kenny Atkinson value Carroll, so they're not going to trade him for nothing. Two of the teams that were interested, the Pistons and the Pelicans, now probably are out of that sweepstakes. So it kind of leaves the options down. I've heard the Cavs and Nuggets. What are your thoughts on Carroll? I think Carroll right now, Nick, would be the one that we'd want to get most rid of just because like Zeller, um, like Booker, he's not part of the long-term plans and his value is at an all-time high. Like this is probably his best season of his career um, in terms of you know the, the short sort of um, span that he's been playing, short sample size. But he has been balling out. He's been one of our most consistent players. He's been out there showing great leadership. Um, and I think, you know, with the, the wing position, that 3 and D guy, he's almost fitting in perfectly. And I think the number one thing is that his health has been quite good. You know, he's missed some games here and there. But overall, he's been very healthy throughout the season. So I think yeah. teams like the Pistons, like the Pelicans, were right to be clamoring for him. But both of those teams made some big moves. Whether um, Denver will, could be looking at him, they've got a lot of really young assets. So I think that there could be some intriguing pieces there for the Nets if they look at a, a Beasley or, or, or uh, Hernan Gomez, whether there's something there that the Nets could extract. Um, the Cavs obviously are wanting absolutely anything. They'll take bloody Airbutt or one of the Monstars. Um, who knows what they're going to be going for. But hopefully, you know, if, if the right deal is there, it will be made. But I think, you know, the Nets aren't going to be making deals willy-nilly, as we've seen already. You know, teams aren't going to be just throwing everything out. Teams are more cautious these days. But I think Sean Marks is going to be extracting everything he can if any of these players are moved. Yeah, I agree. And I think uh, the one thing that hurts is, like you said, teams are kind of being shy with the first-round picks. In the past, they've kind of been more willing to trade them because there's been cap space. But with the cap kind of steadying out and teams having so much money locked up from the past, it's going to be a little bit harder. What would you think? Um, I could see possibly the Nuggets, like you said. They have some young talent. They could also trade a first. They'd probably want to dump some money, maybe somebody like a Darrell Arthur. Same thing with the Cavs. If they you know, were to make a trade with us, they'd probably want to dump you know, either Tristan Thompson or Amon Shumpert. Do you think a late first and a salary dump is enough to move to Mario Carroll for you? I'd definitely say yes. Uh, in terms of the Nets have a little bit of salary to take on, we certainly don't have the space of a Phoenix Suns or, or a Dallas Mavericks, but we have enough that we can take on. And if the piece is somewhat valuable, then the, who knows with what um, with co what Coach Kenny could do. He could turn Tristan Thompson back into a valuable piece and we could flip him for another first rounder. It would not surprise me at all. Um, and I think, you know, you mentioned Terrell Arthur. I think Kenneth Farid could be another guy. And I think he could fit okay as well. Either of those two could fit okay with um, the Brooklyn Nets squad. But, yeah, if there's a first-rounder attached, you look at basically the deal that happened with the New Orleans Pelicans and the Chicago Bulls, the, the Bulls were absolutely clamoring in that. But the, with the Bulls, I'm, I was a bit um, surprised to see. I mean, not really surprised because it's Gar Packs, But they attached another second-rounder as well to it. Um, I don't think Sean Marks would be doing uh, silly little min minor things like that that sort of you know devalue the deal overall. 
But if the Nets can get, you know, a first out of it, then you could almost similarly to maybe what the Clippers could do, package those two first rounders, move up into the draft, similar to what the Portland Trailblazers did, and get a top 10, top 15 piece. Um, those are all hypotheticals, but they're both, they're, it's really exciting prospects if that were to happen. Yeah, I agree. I think the fact that we already have gotten a first and a second for Carroll, and we're able to grab another first, even if it's in the, you know, the 20s, that's not a bad thing because the Nets have drafted Karis LeVert and Jared Allen in the 20s. They don't yeah. even have to move up into the top 15. If they moved into the teens, they might have a guy that they really like that could impact this team. And like you said, if it's a relatively valuable salary dump, somebody who they could still get something out of, the Nets could possibly move it for another pick, or he could just you know kind of stay here and work his career out with the Nets. So I think Kenny also mentioned that in an interview. This isn't just a place for young guys to expand their game, but guys between that 28 to 32 will help you improve your game as well. So I think that's definitely something pushing with the Nets. What is the percentage in your brain that Carroll has moved by the deadline? Uh, it, it certainly was a lot stronger if you had asked me last week, Nick. I think the, the market has certainly been getting a lot quieter. There's only a couple of days left by the time this comes out as well. Uh, I'll probably give it maybe a 20 to 30% chance. Um, despite the fact that he's the one that I think um, is one of the more likely to move, I'd probably have Joe Harris a little bit higher um, and Spencer didn't be probably around the middle. So I'd have a 20 or 30% chance. What about you? I'm a little bit higher. I think uh, Marks is going to want to get value and I think Damari's just a guy. 14 mil, then next year he's expiring. That's not a hard deal to move necessarily the following year if it doesn't work out. And I think the Nets will probably have to take some salary back. But like you said, they have 3.5 mil still left in cap. They also have that $6 million disabled player exception. So they could take on a little bit more money. And I don't think money is an issue for the Nets. Like if they're a little over the cap, it's not the biggest deal in the world. So I think they do move Carroll. And I'm probably going to put it at, you know, 45%. Nice. But let's, I know this, this next topic is going to hurt you, Jack. You kill me, Nick. I know. I know. But Joe Harris, you mentioned him. You know, this is a guy that's been involved in a lot of trade rumors for good reason. Great three-point shooter, great role player, tough, gritty guy. We've enjoyed watching him all season. He is an expiring deal. What are your thoughts on possibly moving your guy, Joe? Um, it would kill me, and I'm not sure that I could follow the team. Nah, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, look, I, I think Joe Harris's value right now, I can't remember whether it was net income on the pod that you were just mentioning. That I think he's second in three-point shooting when you take out corner threes. Yep, he is. That's, yep, they... that's, that's ridiculous. Like, how can an, a guy who was thrown away by the Cavs, and the Cavs would probably be absolutely loving to have a guy like him right now, turn himself around in such a huge way? I mean, we, we say it speaks volumes of the, the culture that has been created, the chemistry that's created throughout the, the front office and, and the coaching stuff. But it speaks volumes to, to Joe himself, to be able to elevate his game. I remember... Being at a uh, being at the Lakers um, Nets game a couple of years ago, being sort of fourth row, and I remember the first guy out there for shooting practice was Joe Harris, and the man was money. He was absolute butter then, and you know he's developed so much in that short span of time. This was probably about a year and a half ago. So I think the the one that intrigues me the most, and this is via Zach Lowe in his recent article, and I think I don't think he mentioned it on the um, the, the low post with Adrian Wojnarowski, but he they he mentioned in his article today uh, a possible swap with Patrick McCaw, who is a nice young piece out in Golden State. You know, obviously both teams will probably clamor. He mentioned maybe for a second rounder attached or a pick swap of some sort. But that one really intrigues me. Uh, I think that one makes a lot of sense just in terms of the upside of Patrick McCaw. I know you're a huge fan, Nick. Um, A lot of teams probably aren't going to be throwing many first rounders at Joe, but a couple of second rounders would be good as well. Um, But at the same time, you know, you mentioned, we mentioned all these trades. 
the fact that Joe Harris is only 26 years old as well, unless we're getting value out of it, we could just re-sign him to this nice cheap deal. I'm sure he'd love to stay in Brooklyn. And then the value for him will be, you know, probably under the radar anyway. He's one of our best bench pieces, if not our best best, pe- best bench piece. Say that five times. But um, <laughs> I think, yeah, th- there's a lot of rumors out there. And I'm, I'm not in the camp, obviously, because uh, my love is undying for this man. The fact that there are so many people going, just turn him for a second rounder. I don't think we should be so willy-nilly with a guy that's produced so much. We shouldn't just um, take that with you know, a grain of salt. It's been an absolutely revelation a revela- revelationary season for for Joe. And I think if we get something for it, I hope it's of value. Yeah, I agree. I think the fact that they just made the trade with Zeller to get a second rounder, it makes the chances of trading Joe Harris for a second rounder very slim. If we're trading Joe Harris, I want to trade him for another player. You mentioned the McCaw swap. I would love that. I think McCaw's the guy the Nets could use. He'll put on some muscle, get better. I know he's having a slump right now, but he's shown flashes, especially in the NBA finals against LeBron and the Cavs. So he's a guy I'd be willing to take a chance on. If you're able to move him for, you know, a young talent with some real upside, obviously Joe Harris is probably going to get a little bit better, but he's never going to be a game breaker. But like Jack said, he has a capability of being one of your best bench players. So having a three-point shooter like that in Kenny's system is great. And with all the teams in the offseason not having any money, if they're able to sign Joe Harris long-term for, you know, a good money deal, that could really help the team. You never have enough shooting, especially, like I said, in Kenny's system. Yeah, I think I mentioned in previous pods, Nick, there's something from a five to seven million dollar range, somewhere around that. You know, not the mid-level exception of the eight million dollars, but the the other mid-level exception, which is at about five at this stage. Obviously, it's likely to go up in the coming years. But the value of a Joe Harris, who is a guy that is continuing to improve. You know, we've seen games where he's had you know double-digit rebounds. We've seen games where he's had five plus assists. His all-round game has you know elevated in so many ways that not many of us saw. Um, capable of happening. And we've mentioned that about plenty of Nets players, but I think Joe Harris overall with probably Rondé Hollis-Jefferson and Spencer Dinwiddie has shown incredible growth that was just uh, unforeseen. You know, if you had have asked me going into the season what Joe Harris was going to be doing, I'd be like, yeah, he'd probably give me, you know, five points, a couple of threes a game, maybe, maybe if not that. But, you know, he's been an absolute, um, he's been producing night in, night out. So I think if we can get something for him, if it's of value, in a high second rounder uh, or a young piece or a, or a player swap like you mentioned, then that's the way to go. If not, keep him, re-sign him for something nice, and then it's happy days for not only me, but then the front office as well. Yeah, and I think a lot of fans also need to realize the fact is like every player that's going to be an ex- expiring free agent or expiring contract, you're not going to be able to trade and get value. Sometimes you're just going to lose guys. It happens. It's part of the NBA. It's part of you know the financials part of it. So... You know, Harris, they might might not trade him, and they might lose him in the offseason. It happens. It's not the worst thing, you know, that could happen to the Nets. But for me, it would be, obviously, Nick. Yeah. I mean, for, for the Nets front office, it wouldn't be. But for me, it would be like losing a son. It'd be like, you know, losing my most valuable possession, which is probably my microphone right now, which helps the podcast <laughs> with you and JBT. But, you know, I, I think, yeah, you make a really good point about the fact that, you know, it's the, the basketball's a business right now. It's the... the the thing we hear most when it comes to trade season and free agency is basketball is a business. It's an organization. I get it. It's a business. But I don't think Joe Harris is going to want to leave. So if he can get some money out there, good for him. I would almost you know, back him in and I'd probably buy, you know, if he's on the Golden State, I might even buy a Golden State Joe Harris jersey. You know, I don't mind the, if he, especially if he gets one of those city jerseys as well, that'd be pretty nice. But, you know, hopefully Joe Harris is in Nets colors uh, for many years to come. Yeah. And like you mentioned, they could possibly, you mentioned five to seven, like, 
if the cap really dries up this offseason, the Nets might even be able to convince Joe Harris to take a little bit of a discount and sign him for a longer term at less money, and he's just a guy to have around that would be amazing. And I don't necessarily see Joe Harris as a guy that's like, oh, man, let me cash in on all my money. Like, I think he likes it in Brooklyn. I'm pretty sure he lives in Brooklyn. He embraces, you know, the culture, the borough. So it's kind of great to have him there. And I would like to see Joe Harris in the Nets for a long time. But if a deal comes along that makes sense, make the deal, Sean Marks. Now, another guy, this one kind of hurts me probably a little bit more than you, Rondé Hollis Jefferson. So he's been mentioning a few trade rumors. The Knicks have called about him. The Nets, Nets are asking for a first-round pick, and I believe they asked for the Knicks first, which is likely a lotto pick. So it looks like Rondé probably isn't getting moved unless it's a lottery pick coming back to Brooklyn. It makes sense, Nick. I mean, he's been our most improved player, if, if you want to go that, go down that route, and probably one of the most improved players in today's NBA. You know, a guy that's turned a mid-range jumper into an absolute weapon, a guy who's um, an absolute dynamo when it comes to getting to the line and, and one plays. A guy who has still only 22 years old and has uh, so much upside, like we mentioned, with our uh, so-called untradeables. He's probably on the fringe of that. Um, and I think, you know, the fact that the Knicks were even calling is an absolute disgrace. And the <laughs> fact that they would even call Sean Marks and ask for him makes me sick. And I think that, you know, Steve Mills and Jeff Hornacek, all of them need to think about what they've been doing. Because I think the fact that they would even call him and go, oh, we'll give you a two-second round. It's a disgrace. Uh, I've so much love for Rondé and the not just growth as a player, but growth as a leader. I, I remember reading, or it might have been an interview on Yes Network, seeing him speaking with Karis LeVert and just speaking in general how he's just grown as a player, his confidence and maturity. Obviously, around him, he's just he's been surrounded by vets early in his career, guys like KG, huge personality, so he's never been able to feel comfortable. Uh, and I think now that he's felt comfortable, it's reflected on the court. And in terms of around his teammates, he's one of the most popular teammates as well. And I think that's what, you know, not only Sean Marks values, but Coach Kenny especially. You know, a good teammate, you know, that's another skill that you can add to your repertoire as well. A guy who's a glue guy, so to speak. I mean, he holds the, the framework together. He's almost like the mature leader of, of that sort of young brigade coming through. So I don't, I, it's, it's highly unlikely. I'd probably give this under 10% that, you know, Rondo is likely to move. Yeah, it would have to be a really good offer, and the Nets have control, so it's not like they really have to make a decision this season on Rondé. Obviously, they could move him in the future, especially if his value keeps going up, but like you said, I, I put it probably 5% chance that Rondé's gone. Now, the next guy is a little bit interesting. He, like you mentioned, you know, he's another guy who's improved a lot. He's gotten some you know, talk about most improved player in the league, and that's Spencer Dinwiddie. He's also been probably the Nets' most important and best player this season in terms of producing on the court. He has, I think, three game winners. He's just been huge, and he's really picked up his game. So what are your thoughts on Dinwiddie and the possibility of him being moved? Look, his value is at an all-time high, Nick. But at the same time, I think this might be, and in terms of everyone saying, oh, he's peaked, I think this might be the, the version of Spencer Dinwiddie that we're going to see for the rest of his career. And for a guy that's 24 and you're training for a first-rounder, is that going to be better than what Spencer Dinwiddie is right now? You know, you're taking a flyer and a pick. A pick is an asset. We know what Spencer Dinwiddie is right now. And I, you know, even in these bad games, he still has an effect on the court defensively in how he marshals the court. So I'm really skeptical about the fact if we were to get let him go. That value on his contract is just so juicy. You know, he's making probably the best contract in the league right now. He's making just $1.6 million next season before going into free agency in July 2019. That's not something you give up for nothing, unless it's 
a first and maybe you know a first and maybe a late second or something like that or a first and a vet that can actually have some value on the net squad then I'm not letting Spencer Dinwiddie go because this is a guy I believe is in the sixth man of the year conversation most improved player conversation and I think has huge value to what the Nets are right now he's been our best player this season it's not very often that you trade your best player for for some assets but at the same time, you can look at it at both sides of the conversation. But I think I might be a bit biased just seeing how much impact he's had on our team. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously Nets fans are going to have bias towards Dinwiddie and what he does for the team. And the fact is, like, you know, maybe in another trade deadline, the Nets probably get a better offer for him. But right now, with first-round picks being locked on to so hard that it's really tough to see the Nets moving him because I don't think they'll get a lottery pick. And if I'm the Nets, I probably want a lottery pick for Dinwiddie. Maybe not necessarily a high one, but one of those borderline picks that's going to fall in the teens. Because like you said, you know, you draft a guy in the 20s, there's no guarantee he's going to be better than Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie also, the problem is that people have mentioned is, you know, next year coming off his contract, not this offseason, the following offseason, he's going to get paid. Yeah. So it's, but the other thing too is for the Nets that people aren't mentioning is, you know, they don't have to rush to make a move right now. They can make a move in the offseason. They still have him under contract. They can move him in the offseason, kind of get a better feel for what his value is at, maybe take some calls. I think one thing that teams forget, they mentioned this, net income mentioned this, is a lot of front offices do this. They'll call teams and try to gauge the value of their own players. So coming up in free agency, coming up in the offseason, they kind of know where they stand in terms of contracts or in other trade you know, trade packages. You might not trade a guy right now, but you might trade him in the offseason. You want to kind of know what teams are thinking about him right now and compare to what they'll think about him later too. So yeah, I think Dinwiddie's a guy. Yeah, Dinwiddie is definitely a guy that is one to watch. You mentioned the fact that he may get paid. If he keeps playing like this, he deserves to get paid. Will the Nets be able to afford that? Will the Nets want to afford that uh, in terms of where we're going into the future, in, in terms of who we draft this season and maybe next season as well? Uh, there's lots of questions surrounding his future with the Nets. But at the same time, a guy that you know is almost a veteran, but at the same time is a rookie because he has, hasn't had much on-court play because of his injury history as well. You look at the fact the deal with uh, Blake Griffin, you know, the Clippers got a first rounder and Tobias Harris and Avery Bradley. You know, that first rounder is going to be, you know, a mid-lottery uh, most likely. The Pistons are playing some decent basketball right now, so maybe it might be a little bit later. But that sort of range is what you'd want for a Spencer Dinwiddie. You know, unless you're getting great value for it, you know, just keep on keep a hold of him. Keep taking those calls. You know, those, those, val those deals are probably still going to be there come the end of the season. Um, so I don't think unless it's uh, an outlandish and uh, I, I can't say no deal right now, wait till the end of the season to see what else, because I don't think Spencer Dinwiddie's form is going to cool off anytime soon. Yeah, and then you can make a better decision on him. You want to see what Dinwiddie does with D'Lo. I think that's an important decision that no one's really mentioned. Like, you know, D'Angelo and Spencer Dinwiddie can play well together. That gives you another option as well. Obviously, there's Levert too you want to get in there as well. But having three really good guards and playmakers, and Dinwiddie has shown he's okay coming off the bench. You know, even Levert off the bench is showing that he's a really good player. So I think that gives you some options. Obviously, the odd man out is Jeremy Lin, but moving forward, obviously, he didn't fit the timeline anyways. So Dinwiddie's no. only a few few years older than some of the young guys. Like, I kind of want to feel it out. You know, I don't think there's any rush for the Nets to move Dinwiddie. People are saying, oh, his value so high. But it's not like people are going to forget that quick about what he can do. And when he does move into a smaller role, I guarantee you his numbers are going to get that much more efficient. I like going early in the season. I think he was shooting close to 40% from three. His turnovers were super low. That's going to happen again when he's asked to do a lot less. Because right now in a lot of these games, especially when guys are banged up and when D'Lo is out, it was the Spencer Dinwiddie show.
it was all on him to make a ton of plays. And we mentioned it. They pass him the ball with five seconds on the shot clock about five times a game. So for him to get some easier shots, I think will really help his numbers in a different way. Yeah, and you mentioned the fact that the easiest shots coming against um, you know, the the second units. You know, if he's playing against second units, he's gonna torch him. We see what he's doing against guys that are, you know, starter level competition. Spencer Dimley against, you know, uh, the second string guards, you know, he's I don't know where he's probably right now our best guard in terms of the fact that, you know, D'Angelo Russell uh, is still young. And he's proven somewhat, but he's still coming back from injury. Uh, Karis Levert's, you know, still coming back from injury. So right now, Spencer Dillon is our most important piece. So if we trade him, you know, there's certainly, we almost have uh, a lack of guards, so to speak, because, you know, D'Lo is still coming back and he's not 100% full health. Karis Levert's had his nights where he's missed out. You know, you don't want Joe Harris and this Nick Stauskas all handling too much like we had earlier in the season. So I think we've got to hang on to him. Unless, like we said, uh, a can't-refuse deal uh, comes into Sean Marks' lap. Yeah. The best-case scenario would be some super package with the Cavs where you send Spencer Dimity, Rondé, you know, maybe Joe Harris, and they want Damari Carroll and, you know, the Toronto pick and get the Nets pick back. Yeah. And then maybe you're okay trading Dinwiddie because then you're like, all right, we suck the rest of the season. It doesn't really matter because now we have our, our lottery pick. Well, but, I think you mentioned as well, Nick, Spencer Dinwiddie and Rondé Hollis-Jefferson and Damari for like an Aaron Gordon or something along the lines of, um, you know, obviously there's probably plenty of salary and sort of things that needs to, to fit there. But, you know, it has to be a sort of super deal. And there's plenty of people that are mentioning the fact that, you know, do we package some of these guys together? You've mentioned in previous pods as well. Um, I'm sure plenty of guys would be wanting to take on more than one of these guys if they can fit him in. But I think the salary is one thing that's going to have to work. And, you know, you package Joe Harris and Spencer Dinnery in terms of their salary, it's so minute in comparison to their value. Not many teams are going to be able to give you much back in terms of equal value, uh, unless it's, you know, some decent picks and a guy who's, you know, got some young upside. He's on a rookie scale contract or something along the lines of. So I think there's packages out there and it's oh, it's obviously the most fun time of year to hit up the trade machine. Um, but it, it's going to be interesting to see where these guys land and whether they stick around or whether they're going to be in different outfits. Yeah, honestly, I uh, two packages I could see. I could see the Nets packaging Damari Carroll and Joe Harrison getting a first-round pick. You know, it still might be a late first-round pick, but we've talked about it. First-round picks aren't going to be easy to come by. I also could see the Nets packaging Joe Harris and Spencer Dewey and trying to get one of those teen picks that we've talked about. So they'd probably be two of the ideas that I think are most likely to be happen. Who are some guys that you'd like the Nets to target? Look, it's... It... The Nets, I, would, I mean, I mentioned Aaron Gordon, Nick. He'd be absolutely amazing. Um, there's talks of the fact that the Cavs are wanting to target him with our pick, uh, the Nets pick. So, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, it does hurt because, I mean, so many things hurt. You know, Gerald, um, Gerald Wallace going for, you know, Damian Lillard hurts still to this day. Um, but there's, I, I think, uh, stretchy sort of wings, uh, guys that we really, really, really need. Quincy AC jacking up three four threes a night is nice when they go in, but man, it doesn't happen very often. Um, it's yeah. nice to see them go in every now and then because it's like, oh wow, Quincy AC can kind of shoot, and then it's just like the next night, oh yeah, that's what he actually is. So I think anyone who can shoot a three and has some sort of length to him and a little bit of defense, but that's what so many other teams are still looking for as well. So it's hard to see the Nets being big players in terms of you know this trade deadline and who they target. I think it's a lot more likely to come to postseason because I think we're just wanting to see what we're getting out of our current guys. You know, Stauskas, Okafor, um, you know, Spencer Dinwoody, all these Joe Harris. 
what they're going to provide for us now and going into the future. Are there going to be future pieces? Um, do we let them go? Um, do we, you know, trade them? Um, I think it's hard to see many targets going into the future and whether the Nets are players in terms of taking on guys. We've got a guy like Rashad Vaughn. Um, I think the, the Nets are playing uh, a few G-leaguers G right now as well, guys like Milton Doyle. So I think that they're more likely to be looking for those low value, low, um, low, at, low, low price, high value sort of guys that you can get a lot out of because that's what the Nets have already done with a lot of these pieces. So I don't expect them to be huge players in terms of uh, many trades. Maybe, like I mentioned, someone from like a Denver, like a, a Malik Beasley or a Juancho Hernan Gomez. Young guys that aren't getting enough time. I think Willie Hernan Gomez from the Knicks said that he wants out, but of course the Knicks are probably going to want a first rounder for him. And the Knicks already have a, a huge glut of really talented bigs. So there's guys out there, but I think in terms of the fit, um, that's the main thing that uh, is going to be the real sticking point. Yeah, I think uh, based off the Vaughn deal, I think the Nets don't want to take any more money unless it's to get a really nice asset. Like the only reason they're willing to take off Moskov is because they got D'Angelo Russell. Same thing with Carroll. They got a first and a second. So they're not going to take on any deals unless it benefits them. I don't think they're, like you said, Jack, I don't think they have the assets yet for a big fish. You know, they don't have the assets to go make a splash. So some guys that I might be interested in, Stanley Johnson, Justice Winslow, and then my big fish, somewhat big fish, I don't think he's huge, Trey Lyles. Like, I think some of these guys are attainable, and the Nets could make moves with these teams that wouldn't be giving up a ton, and they could help those teams win now and benefit themselves for the future because these are all guys young. They haven't hit their potential, not huge money, and the Nets kind of get a feel for them, take a flyer, and see if they want to move forward with them. Yeah, and, and the thing is, are those teams uh, going to be willing to trade with the Nets? Do we have the assets? I think maybe with a Miami, a Miami, a Justice Winslow certainly could be uh, something they could be willing to take on a Joe Harris for a Justice Winslow, and maybe we chuck in a, a, another piece for him. Obviously, Justice Winslow has huge defensive upside, and I think plenty of teams, you know, OKC um, would certainly absolutely be clamoring for him. Um, a guy like you mentioned, Trey Lyles, has some real nice upside as a as a three-point shooter. Stanley Johnson is uh, just reminds me so much of RHJ, but he's been he's fit in so well uh, right now in terms of the the front court of Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond. It's hard to see if uh, Stan Van Gundy or would actually want to see him move right now. Um, if 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 he hadn't have moved, I think it would have been a lot more likely. And I think I mentioned that in my own trade package for OTG basketball. So. I think, you know, yeah, you mentioned guys, young, defensive, guys who haven't hit their potential yet. I think that's what the Nets are great at, getting the potential out of guys that have yet to reach it. And um, hopefully, you know, you might see the Nets make a low-key move. There's still a couple of days left. And that's generally when the uh, moves start coming in, the wage bombs start dropping. All right, Jack. Last question of the day. Percentage chance the Nets make a another trade before the deadline? Who is a hard one, Nick? Um, you know, I'm, I'm hovering around the 50% range. Um, you know, if we hadn't have made the Tyler Zell, I think it would have been a bit higher. I think it would have been around the 60 range. But I think I'm going to go 45%. I think that there's enough assets that the Nets that the Nets have in terms of players. You know, there's even some picks in there that they can trade if they want to to sort of do some pick swaps in general. Um, I, I think there's enough there that other teams are going to want. But I think it's going to be, uh, it's been quite quiet so far, other than the huge splashy Blake Griffin move. But, you know, come Thursday, it's going to be interesting to see if, whether there's some new guys wearing Nets uniforms and whether there's some old guys changing teams. But uh, I'm going to give it 45%. What do you got for me? I'm a lot higher, Jack. I'm, I'm thinking 80%. Wowza. Who's going for you then? Uh, I just think that they're going to move somebody, either Damari Carroll, yep. Joe Harris. One of those two seems likely to go. Um, 
Dinwiddie, I don't think it's likely. Rondé, I don't think it's likely. Also, I could see the Nets taking on another contract. You know, just That's so fair. many teams are trying to move move guys right now, and they don't have salary, or they're trying to get salary open for the offseason. The Nets could potentially help and kind of facilitate a deal, get on another first-round pick, take on a bad guy, maybe trade out one of the guys they don't want to trade out, but, you know, really help themselves for the future. I think there's just going to be a lot of options. And I think it's been quiet right now because teams are kind of freaking out because the trade deadline has moved up so much. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see a trade later today, tomorrow. I could see it being a really busy stretch before the deadline. It always is in those those dying moments. And I mean, you know, the Nets could be, uh, I think the Nets are the perfect third team in so many different deals. Exactly. We've seen that before. We have so much assets. We have, you know, you mentioned the fact the the ability to take on money, the ability to to trade out certain picks and 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 certain and, and those sort of things. But I'm um, I'm hoping the Nets make a move, and I'm hoping it it benefits us greatly. And knowing Sean Marks, um, in Marks we trust. Yeah, exactly. In Marks we trust, and everybody enjoy the trade deadline. Hopefully, next time we talk to you, the Nets are making a great deal. And as always, you can listen to the Brooklyn Buzz and all the OTG podcasts on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, and OTG Basketball. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.